Welcome to the Twin City Bible Church presentation of The Christmas Movie, an audio drama written by Carrie Varnell, produced with permission from theskitguys.com. And now, The Christmas Movie. It's a tradition in homes across America beginning somewhere after Halloween and right before Christmas. Families gather around their televisions with their popcorn and hot chocolate. Grown men are reduced to tears. Women declare, that's the sweetest thing I've ever seen. It's the Christmas movie. Hollywood figured out decades ago that no matter what age you are, or religion, or tolerance for mush, Everybody loves a Christmas movie. Some Christmas movies have become film classics and have earned a place in the most beloved movies of all time. But what does a great movie start with? Money. Movie stars. Studio executives who are so overblown with self-importance that they can't see beyond the bottom line and what their earnings will be worldwide. Okay, well, there's that. But more importantly, the one thing that a great blockbuster really needs, the thing that all great writers and directors are drawn to, a story. A story. A great story is where it all begins. Consider the story of a man who had it all. Who thought he had it all? Well, actually, he had little. Oh, he had money. He had a lot of money. But that was about all he had. He had a spirit visit him. He had an employee who had nothing. The employee had everything, though. Like, he had no money. He had the most important thing. And there begins a classic telling. The beloved story. The cautionary tale. A Christmas Carol. This was a really long movie. How are we going to fit into five minutes? I have faith in us. Ready? Once, back in the olden days, the days of yore, the time of yesteryear, lived an old man. He was a very old and lonely man, and his name was Scrooge McDuck. What? Scrooge McDuck. No, it's just Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge, you know, George C. Scott. Oh, sorry, I grew up with the Mickey Mouse version. Fine. Okay, where was I? The lonely old man, his name is Ah, yes, Ebenezer Scrooge. No, Bob Cratchit, that's absurd. Why should I give you a whole day off? Because, sir, tomorrow is Christmas. Christmas? Humbug. Please? No. Please? No. Please? No. Please? Oh, all right, take tomorrow off, but come in really early the next day. Really? Well, we only have a few minutes for this story, so better get on with it, eh? Right, right. Thank you, Mr. Scrooge. God bless you, and Merry Christmas. So, Mr. Scrooge closes up shop and heads home. As he settles in for the night, he begins to hear noises in his house. Things that go bump in the night. What what, what is this? Who's there? Ah! Hello. Marley, my old business partner. How is it you're here? Unless... Unless you're a ghost. I am a ghost. Ah! I see dead people. And I've come to give you a warning, Ebenezer. You'll be visited this night by three ghosts. The ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. But I'm afraid of ghosts. I don't want to be visited by them. Why is this happening? Because, Ebby, you're a mean old man and nobody likes you. And I don't want you to end up like me. 
Suffering for an eternity in eternity. But, but, but Marley, you were a good man, a good businessman. Maybe so, but my business should have been mankind. No, no, you're just a figment of my imagination. Something I ate. That burrito I had for lunch at Taco Heaven. Oh, I assure you, it's real. No, no, go away from me, spirit. So, the spirit disappears, and Scrooge, believing he has suffered a terrible hallucination from some suspicious food, falls asleep in his bed, only to be awakened later that night. Scrooge! Scrooge! What? What? Who's there? Scrooge, it is I, the ghost of Christmas past. No. Yes. No. Not possible. If I can't see you, you're not there. What are you, for? Open your eyes and let's get on with it. What do you want with me, spirit? Open your eyes. Where, where are we? We are in the past. In your past, Ebenezer. This is your... My boyhood home. Yes, I remember it well. That child... Is you, Ebenezer, abandoned, all alone. Yes, I remember. His mother is dead, and his father is angry with him. His mother died in childbirth, so his father sent him away to this school. Yes, Ebenezer, your childhood wasn't all that great. But I grew into a young man. I met a young woman. Her name was Belle. That means beautiful. Yes, we know. You fell in love with Belle, and she loved you back. It was the happiest time in my life. I wanted to marry her, but I needed to make my fortune. And while you were off making your fortune, Belle got bored. So much for love. But I became rich. Mm, congratulations. What happened to Belle? She married and had a whole lot of children. He gave. But she's blissfully happy, unlike you. So ends the past portion of this haunting. Now I must leave you. And now it's my turn. I am the ghost of Christmas present. Let's go see what everyone's doing now. Oh, spirit, I'm quite tired. I think I'd like to take a small nap. No, no nap. On your feet. You can sleep when you're dead, which will be soon enough. What was that? Uh, oh, never mind. Cecil, the ghost of Christmas future, will tell you all about it. His name is Cecil? Um, moving on. We're at the home of your employee, Bob Cratchit, and his son, Tiny Tim. God bless us, everyone. Tim is very sick and not likely to live much longer. Father, will there be any supper for Christmas? Oh yes, the finest goose you have ever seen. But that's not much of a goose. Curious, since you pay him so well. Father, will there be Christmas presents? We have each other. That's all the Christmas we need. Here's a toast to Mr. Scrooge. Mr. Scrooge? That old miser? I'd like to give him a punch well, in the... Oh, bless us, everyone. Now, now, dearest... We mustn't speak ill of Mr. Scrooge. It is Christmas, after all. To Mr. Scrooge. To Mr. Scrooge. God bless us, Tim. We get it, Tim. Oh, spirit, I can't watch anymore. This is too painful. That poor child. But don't you see, Scrooge? You are part of all this. This is your... Haunt me no more, spirit. Haunt me no more. Please, I can't watch anymore. I can't watch. This haunt me no I can't watch any longer. Spirit of Christmas Future? 
please. I can take no more. I've learned my lesson. Please, let me go home. What is it you want to show me? Please, move on so I can end this nightmare. Are we, are we in the cemetery? What are you pointing to? No, no, it can't be. No, not my tombstone. No, no, it, it, it can't be. No, Spirit, let me go. I don't, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to end up like Marley. I don't want to miss Christmas. I don't, I don't want to miss Rockin' New Year's Eve. No, no, wait. I'm, a, I'm awake. Scrooge was so excited that his visits from the ghosts were over. He ran to the window and said, You, there, what day is it? Why, it's Christmas Day, sir. Duh. Yes, indeed it is. Run to the store and buy the prize turkey in the window. And Merry Christmas. So Ebenezer Scrooge bought the turkey in the window. He had it delivered to the Cratchit's house. And not only did he provide them with enough food for a feast, he also doubled Bob's salary and made sure Tiny Tim would live. God bless us, everyone. What a gift to be given. A second chance. A chance to change. To make things different. Just like new fallen snow that makes everything new and clean, our Heavenly Father grants us the chance to empty our lives of the bitterness and regret. Redemption. Grace. Mercy. Themes that are widely accepted over the Christmas season, whether you're a church-going believer or not. People are searching for a second chance. A do-over. I wish I'd been better with my money. I wish I hadn't said that to my mom. I wish my marriage wasn't suffering. I wish my child would come back home. But thankfully, we serve the God who gives second chances. We serve a God who specializes in grace. Consider the story of a man. A man who had everything. He had a family who loved him. He had a nice house. He had a good job. He was well-respected within the town. He made it possible, through his building and loan business, for people to have a home. A roof over their head. Because George loved his community. He had a spirit who visited him. No, not a spirit. An angel. He had a wonderful life. I'm telling you, Mr. Potter, you'll not get the best of me. Now, George, calm down. I'm not trying to get the best of anybody. Clearly, your building and loan can't pay up on the money you owe people, so I'm here to help. Come work for me, and then everything will be all right. I can give you the money you need to keep you out of jail. Never. I'll never work for you, Potter. You're an evil old man who just wants to own this town. George Bailey was the sort of man that everyone loved. He was the town's hero. He saved his brother from an icy death when they were just boys. He stayed home with his parents until his younger brother could come home from the war, giving up his dreams to travel. He kept the town together and united during a stock market crash. He was a man who seemed to have it all together. But George found himself in a situation where all hope seemed lost. In fact, everything seemed lost. Crazy Uncle Billy lost his stack of money that was supposed to keep things afloat. But sometimes, even the best of men have their breaking points and need to be reminded about the most important things in life. Confounded, why can't anything go right? George, George! 
much. What's the matter? Nothing. Who's playing the piano? Can't she learn a different song? But, Daddy, I'm practicing for the Christmas party. Oh, humbug. What was that, dear? Oh, nothing. I was just listening to another story, and that word got stuck in my head. Where was I? Yes, yeah, uh, nothing ever goes right for me. I'm going to run around in the snow and be miserable and think about how horrible my life is. But George... So George wandered around in the snow and darkness. Went to a bar, got into a fight. Crashed into a tree. And finally came up on a bridge and a thought. A thought? A thought crossed his mind. I could just end it all right here. It could all be over. I wouldn't have to worry about anything anymore. I wouldn't have to feel regret or disappointment. People wouldn't have to put up with me. I wouldn't have to let anybody down anymore. I've lost all our money. My family hates me. Mr. Potter's going to have me arrested because I can't pay a loan. I'm going to lose everything. Might as well just... And just as George contemplated ending it all, there was a big splash in the icy water below. You know, there are days when we feel like there's nothing left to do but give up. Like we shouldn't have gotten out of bed that day. That maybe the world, well would be better off without us. Enter Clarence the Angel. Now George, being the honorable man that he is, jumped in to save Clarence, who jumped into the icy water below. George, thank you for pulling me out of that icy river. Well, what did you go and do a thing like that for? I did it to save you. What? You jumped in first. Well, you were going to jump, so I jumped first, and that helped you change your mind. Oh, I wish I'd never been born. Wow. You just get right to it, don't you? Tick-tock, tick-tock. Could we get on with this? Oh, right. Uh, George Bailey, since you are so miserable and believe that the world would be better off without you, I hereby declare you never been born. Oh, now you're just talking crazy. Never been born. Jeez. Who do you think you are? An angel? Hey, wait a minute. This isn't Martini's bar. And Mr. Gower, what happened to you? He put some poison in a kid's prescription back when he was a pharmacist. Went to jail for 20 years. What? It's because you weren't there to stop him, George, when you were just a boy, remember? You've never been born. This is crazy. Bedford Falls has gone crazy. What? Bedford Falls? This is Pottersville. No way. Uh, wait. It finally started to sink in with George that Clarence really was his guardian angel, and that he made it so George had never been born. George found himself in the cemetery and came upon a grave with a familiar name on it. Wait a minute. This says Harry Bailey. That's my brother. Harry didn't die. He went on to save a whole transport of soldiers in the war. No, all those men died, George. Harry never saved them because you were never there to save him when he fell in the lake all those years ago. Clarence, where's Mary, my wife? Oh, you really don't want to see her. Uh, this is where it gets really dramatic. And this is the part of the movie where I cry every time. <laughs> oh, me too. You have to tell me. George found Mary closing up the library. She was an old maid. Hey. Well, that's what the story says. She was an old maid. Did you have to say it again? You made me lose my place. 
Library of Old Maid of George is shocked when he sees her and tries to convince her that she is his wife. Mary, Mary, don't you know me? <coughs> Why are you screaming? Hey, what's going on here? You get out of here, man we've never seen before who for all intents and purposes might as well never have been born. George ran back to the bridge to reconsider his original thought of ending it all. After all, he'd lost everything he cared about. His family. His, well, yeah, that was about it. He loved and cared for his family. He loved his town and all the people in it. They were all his family. People are what mattered most to George. Not money or possessions. He cared about making a difference in people's lives. Dear God, I want to live again. Please, let me have my life back. I just want to live. George! George! You better come with me. I've been looking all over town for you. What? You, you know me? You know my name? Of course I do, George. Merry Christmas! So, George ran home to his wife and children, not caring anymore that he would probably be thrown in jail because Mr. Potter wanted George arrested. Merry Christmas, Bedford Falls! Merry Christmas, movie house! Merry Christmas, Emporium! Merry Christmas, you old building alone! George ran all the way home to find the police waiting there for him. But George didn't care. He didn't care about going to jail. Because he finally had his family back. But not only that, there was a bonus. People were flooding their house from all over the town to show their love and support for George. And George and Mary Bailey lived happily ever after. Because George finally realized that happiness wasn't about things that you can accumulate. It's not about having the most money or the biggest house. It's about the lives you touch and the people you surround yourself with. Well, that's great for the Baileys. What about me? What? What about me? When do I get my happily ever after? Yeah, I've been waiting around for so long and I'm still stuck in a rut. Nothing seems to go right. Maybe I should just jump in an icy river and see if someone will bail me out. It's been three months and I still can't find a job. How am I supposed to give my kids Christmas presents this year? It just doesn't seem to matter how good or faithful I am. I can't seem to catch a break. I go to church, I serve my community, and I'm faithful with my tithe. My marriage is in shambles and my wife is finished with me. Where's my clearance? Yeah, why don't things ever work out for me like George? Why is it that at Christmas we feel so much more inept? For once, I'd love to give my kids the really big Christmas they deserve. I just can't seem to keep my head above water. Christmas isn't about giving. It's about receiving. You're right. It's about giving. Wait, hang on. That's not what you said. You said it's about receiving? Yeah, what's up with that? Christmas is not about what you get, it's about what you give. No, that's where you're wrong. How can he be wrong? How can you say that? Consider the story of a boy, a round-headed kid who had an obsession with kicking footballs. Oh, you mean Charlie's... Shh! Don't say his name! Yeah, he used the name or title because of copywriting. Why is it so bad to say Charlie... Shh! Just... Keep it from talking, okay? Good. Okay, now listen, everyone. 
Copyright is important. So this is how we're going to tell this story. Consider the story of a boy. A boy who loved his dog. He wanted to be happy at Christmas, but just couldn't seem to get in the spirit. So, I mean, a particular girl who masqueraded as a therapist and was known to pull footballs out from under would-be kickers put him in charge of the Christmas pageant to see if that might lift his spirits. And that's where everything went wrong. The uh, round-headed kid couldn't get everyone to focus on the pageant. That other kid that played the piano wouldn't stop playing. Kids wouldn't stop dancing. It was a big, old mess. After rescuing a tiny Christmas tree to put in the Christmas pageant to get the ball rolling and being made fun of by everyone else because of said Christmas tree, our favorite blockhead gave up and realized he would never know the true meaning of Christmas. But then, a wise kid with a blanket. All of the smart and cool people carry blankets. Just saying. A wise kid with a blanket reminded everyone of what Christmas was all about. Now there were shepherds nearby living out in the field, keeping guard over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were absolutely terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. Today your Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in thrips of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly a vast heavenly army appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. Christmas is about receiving. For in this way, God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Christmas is about receiving the gift that God has given us, eternal life through Jesus. Maybe your life isn't Hollywood, but no one's is. I contend that God has outdone anything that Frank Capra or Steven Spielberg has ever put on a silver screen. His plan is so much bigger for your life than Hollywood could ever dream of. His story, his plan, begins with a baby. A man. And a woman. Chosen by God to deliver a very special gift to all mankind. And talk about special effects. I mean, come on. A giant bright star that led people to the baby? Right. And what about later when he grows up and he's all like, I'm walking on water, you. And then he's going around healing people and casting out demons. And he's all like, demon, come out. Oh, and then there's that one time when all those people were hungry and he takes the fish. Yes, Jesus did all of that. But before he grew up, he was born to a simple carpenter. And then he grew up and put all those Pharisees in their place. He was all like, hey, you're without sin. Cast the first stone. Remember that? That was awesome. Yes, it was. He did that too. Oh, and then he was out in the desert and the devil goes, hey, if you're the son of God, you could totally take over everything. 
And Jesus goes, I so could, but I'm not gonna, because that's not the plan, loser. Yes, you're right there too, but the point is. Yeah, and then there was this one time when he found this robot in the desert with a message from the princess. And she was like, you're my only hope. Then he got into the spaceship and blew up that big shining star. And he was all like, pew, pew, pew. And then he's on the bridge with his staff. And this big demon is looking down on him. And he's all like, you shall not pass. And he falls into the pit. And they're all like, no, you're not my father. Seriously, can you stop talking? The point is. And then he got the elf and blew an arrow. Enough out of you. I'm sorry. The point is that God, in his infinite wisdom, had a plan. A screenplay? Well, okay. A screenplay for your life. God is the master storyteller and has written the story of your life. We all like to think that in our story, we're the disheartened bank manager who saves the day and wins the heart of his friends and family, or the dramatically rich miser who has a classic change of heart, and yes, even the hero who saves the princess. But most likely, what you will find is that your story is like the story God told about himself. A simple child from a simple birth with humble beginnings in a small backwoods town, just eking out enough from a simple life until it was time. A time to help the helpless. Time to heal the sick. Time to feed the hungry. Time to be the light. Time to share his story. And as you celebrate the greatest story ever told this Christmas season, remember that your story, the one that God has crafted just for you, isn't finished. For the one who began a good work in you will perfect it till the day of Christ Jesus. God bless us, everyone. Thank you for listening to this Christmas gift. We hope this adds to your Christmas worship. Thank you to cast members Eliza Allender, Leah Avila, Elliot and Scott Beatty, Jenna Beitler, Andy Hamblin, Brenna Cooper, Katie Martin, Lucy Martin, Fred Newport, Zach Ozinski, Phil Rankert, John Weatherly. Script editing by Jenna Beitler and Tammy Weatherly. Directed by Tammy Weatherly. Produced by Jenna Beitler. Piano playing by Elena Beatty. Audio engineering by Scott Beatty and Noah McLeod. Audio editing by Scott Beatty. Special thanks to WDWS Radio. This has been a production of Twin City Bible Church. To find out more, please visit us at tcbc.cc.